Hi, everybody. Welcome back to It's a Girl's Life podcast. It's Charlotte here. Enjoy this week's episode that is actually a replay of a recent live that I hosted, co-hosted actually with Sierra Brewer. She is the host of the Morning Muse podcast. We talked to two Coach Henrys that wrote the book, The Greatest Health Guide, College Health Guide. And we talked to them all about the transition from high school to college and really how to take care of yourself um, when you're in a new environment. It's such a great, great listen. I hope you guys enjoy and always keep it real. Hi, everybody. Today, I'm super excited because Sierra and I, Sierra's a podcaster, host of the Morning Muse podcast, which is a great podcast. She's going to join in now. We are going live together with the authors of the college greatest college health guide which we're really excited they're both popping in now so we're gonna have them join in and view requests join live. and then greatest college health guide we're so excited to see you if you guys want to maybe it has oh i think i have to wait sierra's popping in hey sierra hey, Charlotte. How are you? Oh, here. Doing how are you great i'm just accepting the college health guide to pop in i think i accept it <laughs> Whoops. Oh, they're in. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, hey. hey good morning. Or I good guess morning. it's afternoon by you guys. It is afternoon for us, but how are you guys doing? We're great. We, we, uh, we went to a race this morning. We were all geared up to register at the starting line, and the race was not happening. So we, we started off oh, no. with like a semi-fail. What happened with the race not starting? We don't know. We didn't really get to the bottom of that. But this was like oh. a race to get chocolate. So we didn't oh. we didn't really miss out on much. <laughs> uh, I would love that type of race. <laughs> you know, a few of my runners were really gung-ho about it. And they were like, we've done it before. you got to come. You'll register there. It'll be fine. And we showed up, and there was not a soul there. So, But all uh, of them showed up, too. So everybody, like, we mutually failed together, which was nice. <laughs> Well, that's an interesting way to start your Sunday. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we got up. We did it. Hey, you were there and you showed up. That's all that matters. Hey, they just joined, so they're hearing me throw them under the bus right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> hey, brothers, students. Well, I hope exactly. you guys well. <laughs> How's your Sunday going so far? It's good. It's honestly been – it was a slow start, but – I recorded a podcast episode with a really good guest, so that was good. And now I'm here. Sierra, how's your Sunday? My Sunday is going well. I've been um, trying to reset for the new week and for the new months. It's it's the first week of May, first day of May, which is very exciting. So I've just been setting my goals, going through a new month reset. So yeah, awesome. We're excited to chat with you guys today and talk about your book which is really amazing and a great resource that Sierra and I have been both delving into before we go to college, starting in a few months, I guess. The countdown has begun. Um, It's... That happens because I have this, like, time limit on Instagram, and it always goes (laughs) off when I go live, which is really annoying. And I guess it's supposed to be, like, something that's helping me, but it never helps me in this situation. So I apologize for that. <laughs> but we're so excited for you guys to be here. And we just had, we just had the time to go off. Yeah, it's so annoying, yeah. I guess, the situation. <laughs> um, so 
yeah, I would, let's get started. Sierra, do you want yeah. to start? Yeah, so um, Jill and Dave, how did you guys meet? Introduce yourselves to the It's a Girl's Life audience, my audience. Tell us how you guys met. Um, so I'm a veteran high school math teacher. Um, I haven't taught for the last few years because I have little kids, and so I stay home with them, but um, have been doing that. And then coaching high school girls cross country. This fall will be my 15th year working with that particular program. Um, and then Dave. I work in TV and film. I'm an editor. And I wanted something for me, like outside of just work. So I started coaching high school football at the same high school where she happened to be coaching cross country and teaching. So when we met, it was kind of like uh, like one of those high school rom-coms, except it was <laughs> adults wearing PE clothes that were kind of, you know, the in the center of it. But we kind of had a whole high school conspire to set us up and it worked. So. Yeah, he, uh, he asked me out like foolishly um, while I was on my way to practice. And so a bunch of my runners saw it happen. And so I ended up spending the entire practice getting dating advice from them. Like, what are you gonna so wear? Funny. And what are you gonna like, don't give him math problems and don't make him do push-ups and don't talk in your weird man voice? And so that was like the beginning of our dating life was you know, all of these high school kids as a part of it. Um, but it worked out, thankfully. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's so cute. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. I would love to hear why you guys slash how you wrote this book for college kids or high schoolers going to college and it sounds like it was based on your environments, but tell us a little bit about that experience and why you are so passionate about helping this group of, this age group, I guess. Yeah, um, so it actually was really born out of the request of a group of my runners. We do a annual brunch at the end of our season with seniors and it's in the fall. And so they were in the middle of college applications, but also starting to think about the next step. Um, a lot of my runners only do cross country. So when that sport's over, high school sports are over for them. And so they were starting to think about that transition. Um, and then the bigger one of going to college. Mm -hmm. In cross country, we talk a lot about wellness um, because running is not really a skill sport. It's an effort sport and a preparedness sport. And so our summer education is a lot about sleep and nutrition and stress management. And so we kind of had a forum for conversing about those things anyway. And my girls were talking about like, how do we take care of ourselves in this new environment? Um, how do we apply what we know about wellness in high school and have it make sense in college? And, you know, they heard about the freshman 15 and the college mental health crisis and the sexual assault numbers and the drinking-related deaths. And so there were some serious things that they were concerned about, and we really wanted to help that group and prepare them. So we started looking for pre-existing resources. We never intended to write the book on it. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing really existed that felt like it was comprehensive and covered sort of everything that um, comprised your life outside of the classroom, but was also engaging. Mm -hmm. And by that, we were looking for like funny and not preachy and, um, you know, thoughtful, but entertaining along the way. Yeah. And really, we wanted to collect the best advice yeah. we could find from current students and make this more about a communal experience of, hey, this is what I really struggled with, or this was something I learned my junior year, and I wish I'd known that going into my freshman year. So the kind of impetus of all of putting this together came down to how do we provide a place where you could actually want to keep reading and learn about something that would help you navigate your health? And I think especially for this age range, that's not exactly like 
the topic everybody's dying to learn more about. Yep. Yeah. So if, if it wasn't funny, if it wasn't rooted in some real stories, we knew it would never have a chance. And when we couldn't find that, that's when we set out to put this project together. So, so we researched for three years. We talked to a lot of different health professionals. I think our biggest undertaking was a huge nationwide survey with hundreds of college students who wrote to us about their transition and their experience taking care of themselves. And then we sort of framed each chapter in the book based on our personal stories and then incorporated their advice, their feedback, um, their stories of success and failure to sort of give it a community vibe and a personal through line. So you weren't just reading a health book, but it really felt like you were getting a, some cool exposure to what to expect from people who had been there and done that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And what are some of the major topics that your book covers? We wanted to focus on all aspects of life outside of the classroom. So what are you going to eat? How often are you going to party or socialize? How are you going to do exercise? How are you going to manage your time, manage the newfound stresses that you're going to be in? Mm -hmm. We talk about consent and relationships, finances, sleep. These are essentially all the things that you got to make a decision about every single day that affect the way that you feel, right? So providing one roof for all these things to live felt like the best way to, how do you figure out? physically, emotionally, mentally, how am I gonna take care of myself now that I'm on my own? And the one thing I'll add to that is the common theme is like none of these things are taught in school. They might be touched mm -hmm. on in orientation, but you're not as high school seniors prepared to tackle this stuff or as college freshmen, unless your school has sort of a freshman seminar, you're not really getting, and even if they do, the likelihood that they're diving into taking care of yourself on your own in much depth is fairly unlikely. So we felt like this is an essential education that for whatever reason is not provided. People are just assumed to like fail and figure it out on their own, mm -hmm. which we talk about a lot in the book, but that was why we covered these topics is these are the essential skills that were not taught in a formal educational setting. And you two are about to head off to school. Charlotte, let's start with you. Then I'd love to hear from Sierra. What are you most excited about now that you're going to be heading off in the fall? I think I'm most excited for the freedom part and knowing that I have like freedom of my schedule and freedom of like timing of how I want to organize everything that I want to get done. But um, yeah, I think that's definitely one of the biggest ones and opportunities also just like all everything is up for grabs that I can take advantage of and get involved with is something that really excites me. What about you, Sierra? Yeah, for me, I guess it's just to be able to live in a new city and have, like, the freedom to explore it. Like, I go to a boarding school right now, and the only way I get off campus is through the school-sponsored trips. Now, once I'm in college in Dallas, I'll be able to go places by myself and be able to go not on somebody else's time. So, being able to explore on my own time, but also just finding new opportunities along the way as well is what I'm really excited about. Have you thought about what you're worried about? If you have any concerns about the transition? I definitely have like, a, like so I definitely have like worries. I think everyone probably does. Um, as I'm equally excited about the freedom of my own schedule, I'm also equally nervous about like managing that and figuring out like the time. I don't know. It's just like a lot of free time compared to like going to school from eight to three thirty and knowing that like after school I get home. This is what I do, and not having that is somewhat nerve wracking in a way. 
Um, I would say other worries would just be like, I guess, I don't know, doing a lot of things for the first time again. And that just is like a lot of first experiences away from home, I think is also like another worry, but also equally an exciting experience that I can't wait to, you know, go through and things that I just never have on my own. And for me, I guess I'm treating it just like boarding school, but all over again. And just having more freedom compared to not um, going to a boarding school. So I don't, I can't really think of any worries that I have right now. Other than just like learning how to navigate college life. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are awesome. Um, and also like both your excitements and your fears. I feel like whenever we talk to high school groups, they're very similar. So what's cool right. about that is like all your classmates are worried about the same things. Whether you talk about it or not is one thing, but you're not alone in your enthusiasms and your fears. So that's cool. Well, I would love to hear about, you know, like we're going through this transition. What, and like, obviously we both know, like based on like what we both said, like there's challenges and there's things that we're looking and excited about experiencing, but from your guys' opinions, like, how can it be hard? And also, how do we approach being on our own for this first time ever? And, you know, we don't want to totally, like, obviously, like, have a really bad experience. So, like, how do we approach that in the most healthiest, but also equally, like, helpfulest way for our own selves and our own well-being and, like, mental health and everything? Yeah. The... I think the one thing that whenever we've talked to groups, we've really tried to be very clear about is reframing expectations. Have you guys heard from parents or parents, friends or teachers, et cetera, like this is going to be the best four years of your life? Yeah, I've heard that from me. I've like, heard that a lot. Girls and that. people that yeah. are. Yeah, you hear that a ton growing up as you're preparing for that. Once you get through the stress of applications, the in essence, you think like, okay, that's the worst part's over. And now it's just going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. The reason that we have always found it important to reframe that it's not necessarily going to be that it shouldn't, frankly, if it's the best four years of your life, and you're peaking at 22, like that's a whole other problem. <laughs> but, but I think it's important to talk about the fact that it is going to be hard, that it's a humongous transition. You're basically going into like infancy with your independence. And so anticipating those challenges um, and facing them, I think it allows everybody to sort of come to the table and not be intimidated by it. And when it's hard, be like, okay, I expected this. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's the environment. It's the circumstances. Mm -hmm. It's the change that's making it hard. And so to that point, I think what's damaging about best four years as the, you know, the essential message is it doesn't prepare you for the struggle and normalize the struggle. And that's one thing that we're really passionate about is giving voice to the fact that it's hard, but that's okay. It's supposed to be. So for sort of like the dependable reasons that it's hard, um, first, it's a really tough age biologically, chemically, hormonally, et cetera. It happens to be like the 18 to 22 age range um, is captured in the average age of onset for generalized anxiety disorder and first depressive episode and um, disordered eating and alcohol abuse. So, like, just from a timing standpoint, that age is sort of ripe for a lot of different struggles. So that would be hard in and of itself. But then think about the fact that you're now in a new environment facing a lot of 
other struggles. And so it sort right. of gets, gets captured in with a bunch of other things. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, having a set schedule when you're in high school, you know, from eight mm -hmm. to three thirty, you have to be here, you have to do this, you're going to have an openness in your schedule in college, which is amazing. But it's also slightly intimidating. And like, well, how am I going to use that block from 11 to three, where I'm not doing anything? And then I got class at four, like way over here, how do I work my schedule? And because you haven't had a chance to put a lot of those things in play, that can be tricky. For a lot of kids, I know for me, especially when I got to college, having a new identity was tricky to navigate because people have known you your whole life for being right. you. Mm -hmm. And you've got all this built-in kind of relationship with every interaction you have throughout your day. And now you're surrounded by a bunch of people that you don't know that don't know you. And so, you know, for me, I, I played sports in high school. I played sports my freshman year of college, and then I stopped playing sports my sophomore year. And so not just the way that the world looks at you and your identity of, oh, well, you're a football player or you run track or you do band or whatever it is, but how am I going to use that time? What am I going to do for myself that's going to make me happy that I like to do? What are my hobbies even? Um, and then the removal of the support system of you don't have parents telling you go to bed. You don't have a coach saying show up for practice. Like that's the only thing that was really getting me to work out with somebody being like, you got to be here. And maybe most importantly, you don't have your friends to be like, Hey, are you all right? Like it's been a rough, it's been a rough week. And so the removal of those kind of familiar support systems is so important why you've got to learn how to kind of check in with yourself. And that's something we talk about all the time is the ability to do a self-assessment of how am I doing? Because you don't have naturally a lot of the people who used to check in with you, whether it was a teacher or a coach or a family friend, starting that process of learning how to check in with yourself is so important. Well, and I think you guys probably already know how to do it, whether you recognize that's a skill you've developed or not. So like, throw to you, what's, when you know that you don't, that you feel off, like you don't feel good, what signs does your body give you or your mind give you when you're like, something's not right? Can you guys speak on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah why don't you go first? I'm still trying to think through it. <laughs> One of the first things that happens to me when I'm just not feeling good is that my room will be so messy mm. and I try to keep my room clean all the time. So if my room is messy, that means my mind is a mess. And if I'm like not writing things down, like I should be not writing down tasks, not putting meetings in my calendar, that's when I know something's going on that I'm just off of my routine. I'm off of my daily schedule that I typically have. And it just, I can definitely tell immediately, immediately and I'm like, okay, I need to change this, like, now. One of the things I would say for me is it's always really hard to, like, remember this in the moment, but it's the moments, I think, where I'm spending the most time on my phone and kind of wishing away the hours by scrolling on social media or just, like, getting into that. Yeah, definitely, like, scrolling and – Honestly, it's because if it's because those moments I'm usually comparing a lot of myself to other people that I'm seeing. And even if I'm not like trying to do that, because who would really want to do that? It's not like a fun thing that I feel like we want to do. Um, it just happens. And I think it's these moments that I need to take a break. And I probably should recognize that this is the time that I need to get off the phone, you know, listen to something. Maybe it's a podcast, read a book, go like work out or something like that. And just kind of get my mind away from 
not being present in the moment because that's like when I feel my best is when I'm like focused on the things that are in front of me. Yeah. Um, and I think becoming aware of that's going to be really helpful for me. It's just as relevant based on what you just said. Dave has this sign on his desk, which is actually a Taylor Swift quote. <laughs> which yeah, I keep read it. it says focus on the work. Oh um, yeah. Well, but, but, but like to your perfect. point, it's, it's so easy to get sucked into the millions of distractions we have in our life. And that doesn't necessarily make you feel good. Cause you're not, you're not creating anything. You're not producing anything. You're not putting work into something that you care about. You're just sort yes. of like consuming. Yeah. Yeah. I like and, good. And so, like, we fall victim to it, too, by social media or other things. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think that ever goes away. And the sooner you can – you guys nailed it. It's it's not necessarily even just feelings. It's it's behaviors and actions, like the dirty room or the scrolling where you catch yourself and you're like, oh, shoot, I know something's off if I'm doing this. And it's not making me feel good or I already don't feel good. Um, throw that back out to you. What is – how do you guys know when you something's not right within you? So I take a huge sigh. Like if you were in the room with me, you'd be like, oh my God, what's going on with this dude over here? And it's like, I don't mean to do it. It just yeah. happens. But I'm just like, <laughs> and so you, she, she can just like turn her head from the other room and be like, oh no, he's not in a good place yeah. right now. And like that kind of buildup of like, I am not digging what's going on. That's one of the cues that I notice happens within me of like, oh, I got to take a step back. I got to get away from this. Mine is, mine is probably more like negative self-talk in my head of just like not being, not feeling good about myself, not being proud of what I'm doing. And it can happen for a bunch of different reasons. Mm -hmm. And that's part of it too, which we'll talk about is like diagnosing what is it that is making you feel off. Um, but for me, it's like, I, if I start to spiral and compare myself or just feel yeah. like garbage about what I've been doing, I, I know something I've, I haven't been doing enough to feel good about my days or my weeks, et cetera. And so it's usually a good cue. Like mm -hmm. I'll say it this way. I could go a full week without working out and that's not a problem unless I start like berating myself for not working out. It's right. just like a simple example. It's not like I physically need to feel strong at all times to feel good. But sometimes um, when it gets to the point where I am, and punishing myself or being really negative towards myself for not doing things, then I'm like, Ugh, I gotta, something's gotta give. I gotta change something up. Mm -hmm. I, would love, I would love to add something to that because A, I felt that before too. That's like something that happens with me when I'm spiraling. I think that's like, I need to become better knowing that that's like my cue to stop. But also um, a quote that I read was like, if we were like, if punishing ourselves was really working, like we would all be healed by now. Um, <laughs> But that's just not true because, like, it's, like, the punishing that always makes us feel just so much worse. Right, right. I, I agree with that. It, oh, go ahead, Sierra. You had something to add? No, I just say I agree with that because that's, that's when I know something's wrong. If I'm, like, beating myself up about not being productive 24-7 or just, like, doing things I'm not supposed to do, I'll just talk really down to myself. And I'm thinking, like, okay, there's something wrong. You shouldn't be talking to like that there's something something's wrong you need to change something well it's just it's not productive right you mm -hmm. you see that movie five or ten times where it's like oh yeah this is the part where they just feel terrible for like an hour and nothing happens in that point of time and I actually feel like I'm I'm, I'm better at this stage now than I ever have before of recognizing like 
oh, well, I could just go look in the mirror and like be really cruel to myself. Or I could go get up and do something about it and try to recognizing like when that pattern starts, like, nope, that's not something I need to invest time in. I don't have the time to do that right now. So I might as well do something that's going to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Good way to think about it. Add about why these self-assessments are important, all of which we're talking about. It's like part one of the self-assessment is being conscious of how you're feeling. And, and part two is knowing what to do about it. Um, and the one thing I'll say and, and why developing this skill is so important outside of what Dave said with your support system's not there. So other people won't be chiming in sort of keeping tabs on you. There are solutions to everything that makes us feel down, whether we need to manage time better, whether we need to work out so that we can get an endorphin rush, whether we need to eat better, whatever the case. But you won't know that you need those solutions unless you can diagnose that there's a problem. And mm -hmm. so your campus, you know, the great thing about college campuses is they are chock full of resources. Oh, but yeah. People mm -hmm. don't have to seek them out until they're at like crisis level. And the right. idea mm -hmm. of checking in with yourself and building in time to your day to be observant about your feelings and your actions, hopefully the idea is that you can catch yourself when you're at like a five or six out of 10 on a stress scale. Before you get to the nine or 10 where you're like, I can't do any of this. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm drowning. You want to get to the point where Charlotte's like, I just need to reset. I know I'm scrolling. Mm -hmm. I just got to do something different. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that being more present, being more proactive allows you to just have these reset moments rather than these overhaul moments. Mm -hmm. And so that's the importance of just the regular built into your schedule type check-ins with yourself. And what's unsatisfying about it is it's not like there's a, there's a lovely recipe we can pass along and be like, you do this and you'll be cured. We just saw it. Everybody's triggers of what makes them feel bad or how they feel when they feel bad are different. And so the unsatisfying part of it is it takes time to learn about yourself and it forces or, or it requires space. You've got to build in a moment for yourself every day to be reflective um, we still feel bad regularly. Like we'll get into these spirals like we're talking about. The only difference is that with time and experience living independently and taking care of ourselves, we've gotten faster at diagnosing it and we've gotten quicker with course correcting and getting back on track. And that's what's hard about college is you're learning this for the first time. And so it sometimes does take a little bit longer for you to catch yourself when you're, you're falling down. And then you don't necessarily know instinctually how to head back in the right direction. That's what's so hard about that transition is it's all new and it's a lot to take on. Taking care of yourself is a massive endeavor. And it's one that doesn't end. Like, welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> you have nobody else to rely on to make you feel good except for yourself. And frankly, that's how it's always been. Uh, but you also had other things in place to sort of prop you up and keep you on the straight and narrow. And college is really like the removal of all those things that were we're keeping you confined and going in the right direction. Um, now you've got to rebuild an entire structure that works for you, which is both exciting, but also intimidating because you really haven't practiced it. And so even if it's just once a week, you're not going to have class on Sunday. Like have some time where you're like, how did I do this week? Mm -hmm. And regardless of what the answer is, if you don't like the answer that you, you get, like I, I did terrible this week. I partied too much. I'm behind on my studies or whatever it is that you find, it's so important to be honest with yourself and to do that without judgment. You don't need to beat yourself up over the fact that 
I didn't do everything I needed to do this week. You got next week, okay? But if you don't have that time to kind of check in and be like, oh man, like I am, I just need to do better. That's what I need to do. I need to do better. Like it, that's how you can go five, 10 weeks. And now you're, the semester's almost over. You're behind on everything. And you're like, how did I get here? I am in crisis. Mm -hmm. That's what you're trying to avoid by these regular incremental, how am I doing? Okay, now let me focus on what I can do about it. Well, to throw to you guys, how, what do you do now? Because it sounds like, Sierra, when we opened, like you were just setting goals and thinking about the month. What kind of practices do you guys have in your life right now that kind of keep you checking in on yourself or keep you grounded, make you feel like you're in control? What are mm -hmm. some things you guys do to, like, feel good and also make sure you're feeling good? Yeah. Sure. Okay, I'm a big routine person, and I think Sierra is too. So, like, my morning routines and my night routines are my go-to to whenever I fall off track, those also fall off track as well. Um, and I just have, like, a few things I love to do, like, every day before I, like, get started on stuff, um, which usually involves, like, reading or something. I also really like to journal, which is also a really good practice of, like, being present. Um, and I'll get in some exercise because that usually makes me feel good. That's a new thing. And then it's just stuff like that, that are like things that I do daily that really, they like give my sh day some shape, but then they also give me some sort of a benchmark of like getting things off the to-do list, which also make me feel kind of in control. Um, yeah, that's what I would say to that. Sierra, what's yours? Yeah, so mine, also like Charlotte. I will try to go back to my routines that have fallen off track, whether it be my, my morning routine or my night routine. That's why I can start to notice things are going bad is if my morning and night routine is off. But one thing I'll also do that, that I have implemented every single week is a weekly reset. Mm -hmm. And I'll just do go through my weekly reset on Sundays um, to start the new week. And if I've fallen off track, I will do my weekly reset, but I will also brain dump i'll brain dump all the tasks that are going through my head just get them off get them off into something and i'll also just journal out my thoughts because journaling helps me a lot when i'm tend to be spiraling and doing that helps me get back to the present moment like charlotte like charlotte said and it helps me reflect on just how i'm doing and i'll ask myself after i've journaled what can i do today or what can I do right now to help me have a better rest of my day or even a better tomorrow? That's good. That's great. I do something very similar. Every Sunday, I write down all the tasks I have for the week on a big legal pad. And then I have like a smaller legal pad that's all the tasks for the next day. And it's, but I 100%, what you're saying really resonates. It's like when I don't do that stuff, not only does that week or that day really suffer, but that's pretty good cue into me that like something else is off track. And so I think recognizing what your stabilizers are and recognizing the absence of them as a sort of like, you know, caution flag of look at and reevaluate how you've been spending your time because something's amiss if you're not able to stick to those, those like bookends of your day. Well, and, and having some things in place of like, just to kind of move this forward about having a reset practice not just something that's scheduled that you do during your week, Sierra, but something that you know are dependable things you can do if you find yourself in that like, oh my God, I cannot read this paragraph one more time. I'm going to lose my mind. I need to do something else. And that can be different for everybody. I'm a big believer in walks. 
I got to get up and, and move. And so in my workday, I build three walks into the day where <laughs> I only work for like 90 minutes. And then I get up, I move around, I grab a mm -hmm. coffee. And though that's become a regular thing, those are my reset practices of like, you heard the deep sigh for the third time. I am not feeling what I'm doing right now. I'm on like a five or a six on the stress level. And I just need to do something differently, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you already sort of cued in on what you use to reset when things feel overwhelming? Podcasts. I listen to podcasts and I get up and, and walk around too. And it's just like, usually by doing those two things, I'm probably thinking a little bit brighter or I'm just like thinking a new way that's really helpful. But definitely also the journaling one also always works. And it just gets me into like this headspace that I swear is like ulterior and I don't know how to get there other than journaling. And it's just like a more positive or like self-compassionate one. Um, yeah, that's what I would have to say mm -hmm. is, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, for me, it's also been walks. Like I've noticed that if I'm just really overwhelmed and I can't focus on a single thing, my brain is going a mile a minute, I will go take a walk. Like today, I just took two walks and it felt great and I also journal too because I don't know what it is about journaling it just makes me feel so good and I also just make a I just dump everything that's going on into my and off of my head onto paper because just doing that fresh brain dump really helps and I also talk to my mom my mom is really helpful in terms of resetting me and figuring out like what I need to focus on and just it gives me a clear head yeah yeah i um i the full i'm journaling has never really stuck for me but i'll call my best friend or call my dad and or my mom and um showering is one thing that i do mm. like the sensory change of like getting up and at least doing something that makes me feel good like showering and brushing my teeth where i'm like yeah. okay i'm fresh i'm gonna try I feel that and, yeah, and yeah. and uh, it's just like simple. It doesn't take a lot of time. So if you're crammed and you're overwhelmed and you're like, I don't have the time to step away from this, but I need to because I'm not going anywhere. I feel like showering, walks, all that, or like grabbing a coffee and just listening to a podcast for ten minutes. Mm -hmm. It's it's quick. It doesn't take a lot of money, but it forces you to sort of change perspective, change environment, um, and that's what's has what has worked for me in the past in terms of phone calls. One thing that I would pitch to any seniors that are listening to this, put a list of people in your phone before you go, um, in your notes app, of like adults or friends that you can call when you're sort of needing a reset or even if you're in a time of crisis. And I think what's nice about that is in the moment, like if the person, if your mom, for whatever reason, Sierra, like didn't pick up the phone, mm -hmm. who's your backup? Like who do you call next mm -hmm. if you're like, I really need to talk to somebody? Mm -hmm. um, and I also think it forces you to have some intentions about relationships that are important to you that in your new environment, you still want to keep putting some effort into, whether it's your former coaches or teacher or another adult in your family or even friends. Um, it's so easy in college to just like sink into the environment because it's so yeah. busy. And, mm -hmm. and so by like making that list, you're like, these people are important to me and I'm going to, you know, put some effort into maintaining these relationships and I'll check in with them even when I'm not in crisis. But I know that they're going to be there for me when I need them. Um, and that. Well, and it gives you an opportunity for a break from the world you just entered. When you go to your college, mm -hmm. that's going to be your life. That's going to be your world. 
And that's not always going to be awesome. And whether it's a bad grade or a new friend who maybe isn't a great new friend, whatever it is, even if you're not like, oh, I really need to talk to somebody, even if you just know, like, I need a break from what I'm doing right now, I need to kind of not think about this world. Um, mm -hmm. Having that list already made, already kind of thought out is going to help you so much because you're like, oh, okay, well, I know I can have this conversation and be reminded that my world is bigger than just this, you know, two square miles where I'm living right now. Mm -hmm. And to add on to that, you have to make sure you're calling the right people because who you have conversations with matters and how you feel after matters. Like if you feel bad about yourself after that conversation, then maybe that person isn't somebody you should call. But if you feel really good about yourself and you're ready to tackle on the day, then that is a person you should call. Knowing the right people is very, very key as well. I love that tip. I think that's a good one. And also just like being super honest with yourself about the different people who you have in your life and the people you want to stay in touch with is also really important. Um, but I know like, as we've sort of hinted on this before too, it's like a lot of time for a lot of firsts of different experiences. And one of those is just managing your own self. It's like the first time you have the freedom, but also the responsibility of picking yourself up. And even though there is people around you that can help and support you in different ways, like you still are figuring out that like you are left with yourself for the rest of your entire life, which is exciting and nerve wracking at the same time. What is like one lesson, one piece of advice that you would give to like a listener about, you know, just how to get improve that a little bit better or a little bit um, during this time in this transition? Um, this is a sort of pie in the sky one, but I do think it's really important. And that's focusing on intrinsic rewards, which is basically like what you, what, what can you do that makes you feel good about yourself? Not that it's for anyone else's benefit and identifying that before you go to college so that you always have the fallback of like, I know when I clean my room or I know when I go for a walk or exercise that I'm just really proud of myself and that feels good. That's a big shift because you're coming from an environment where you've been getting grades and you've been getting praise and you have the, you know, the insight of your parents and that, that dynamic um, every single day to sort of let you know how you've been doing. Now you really have to navigate it and do things um, the best way to do it because it's a new environment and because it will be hard and you will fail at times is to just focus on ways that you can always succeed. What can you do mm -hmm. that makes you feel at the end of the day, like I did great today. And that's a hard thing to learn, but a very worthy endeavor. And everybody already has them. It's just about like digging a little deeper and taking the moment to reflect and being like, what, what is it that I can do in my day? Where when I go to bed, I feel really great about how I showed up for myself. Um, and if that's, if that's like the one piece of advice that will, that will keep you steady for the rest of your life is doing things that you know you can be proud of. And I will say my last comment on that, usually those things are hard things. You're not typically going to be proud of yourself for taking a nap. Um, you might, if you really needed the sleep, I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying to undermine that at if, all. If you've been depriving yourselves of naps your whole life and then you finally let yourself have one. Yeah. One thing. And that might've been a bad example, but, but I think uh, the point is like, it's the hard things that nobody's forcing you to do, that you only do because you know it's, it's a good thing for you and it matters and it's, you're showing up for yourself. 
those are the things that will have the most impact on you um, in your life, in your college experience, et cetera. Well, Do you want to throw in that? Well, yeah, just so much of it boils down to what can you control and what's out of your control. Because mm -hmm. maybe you studied mm -hmm. as hard as you could and you didn't get the grade. Or maybe you thought your resume was awesome and you didn't get that internship. There's a lot that you cannot control about what will affect your life. So the little things you can, you're like, hey, I got up on time. Or I ate well earlier today. Or I worked out. Those things that add up to where you're like, I did pretty good today. Or at least I did the best that I could, right? Those kind of things will give you lasting happiness and will help protect you when the internship goes to somebody else. Or maybe the grade isn't exactly what you wanted to get. But focusing on what is within your control versus just hoping that all of this works out and riding the roller coaster is probably a safer, more stable way to approach it. Well, and to Charlotte, mm -hmm. something you said, like that's how you improve the relationship with yourself. You're going to be with yourself for the rest of your life. So learning about, you know, what you can do to make yourself feel good and proud and happy. What a worthy endeavor. Cause that stuff will never go away. Nobody can take that from you. Like today's point about control. Um, and that's, that's like the key. Once you unlock that, man, it's, it, everything is easier once you you distill down what it is that you can do that you have control over on a daily basis that is beneficial for your physical body your mind your emotional state it's like if you can find those things that's the key well it's not to say that you won't get stressed out about some of the things that are outside of your control but it simplifies where you put your time and your energy so you know like mm -hmm. oh my god i'm so angry but but you know what like I can't fix that. That's not on me. Let me focus on what I can focus on. The sooner you can kind of switch those tracks, the better. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, no, I, I think that was great. I think that's so helpful. Um, I would honestly love to hear where we can find you, where we can find the book, um, all that good stuff, so people can continue to learn from you guys and continues to connect with you. Um, so the book is, it's chock full of tips. Um, so if you're looking for like quick, actionable things that you can do to manage your food, your alcohol, your stress, your sleep, um, your exercise, look to the book for that. Each chapter sort of reads like a BuzzFeed article. And so the book is on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble, like in a lot of indie bookstores, but the quickest way to get it is probably Amazon. Um, you can follow us on our Greatest College Health Guide account. You're not going to see a lot of the two of us, but what we have, really the only thing the account is doing is weekly takeovers from, oh, he's getting the book. You want to show it real fast? I'm just putting it up here. That's the name. There you go. All right. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Um, the social media account is weekly takeovers from current college students talking about their transition, their struggles, their successes, their routines, their habits, how they've managed time. So it's, it's just a continuation of the quotes from our book. It's great to hear from kids who are in it talking about their experience. Um, and then our personal account is at through Coach Henry's, which is a little bit more of a glimpse into our life. If you're really into cute dogs and little kids, um, that's, that's a good place to go. But um, Instagram, and one thing I will say, this summer we're going to be doing, we're taking a break between semesters with takeovers and we're going to work on a summer school class. So essentially if you're going to college in the fall and you want to know like tiny little actionable tips or little things you can do to prepare, uh, follow that Instagram account because we'll post content and little videos. It's sort of like a summary of the book, but just to get you ready for the action of that transition. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for getting on this live with us today.
Thank you, guys. It's so much fun. Make sure to connect with them and buy the book and also continue to follow them on social media. In addition to Sierra, why don't you shout your social media out as well? Yeah, so you guys can find me at Sierra E. Brewer. It is S-I-E-R-R-A-E Brewer. And you can find my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called The Morning Muse. And if you guys want to follow the podcast Instagram, it is at The Morning Muse Podcast. Thank you guys again for tuning in. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their sun. Gosh, your dog. Aww. Aww, what's your <laughs> Russell Wilson. Oh, he's going rough. He's, he's got a pretty so serious cute. underbite. I'm not sure if it's present right now. Oh, really he's so cute. Right. He's so cute. <laughs> he says, Have a good Sunday. Have a good Sunday. Bye. Have a good Sunday. Bye. Bye. Bye.